Welcome to the Vanessa Connection. I am that Vanessa. And today I'd like to talk about what I call connecting to energy. I've noticed that people are kind of really waking up to the human empathetic nature and don't know what to do with it or think it's weird or get overwhelmed with it. I would love for people listening to this to really start to feel comfortable thinking about energy and energy work, talking about energy and energy work, using it in all of its various forms It's there for you. It's a tool in the human toolbox that I think we've just either forgotten or been socialized out of. And I would like it to not have a stigma to it as being woo-woo or crazy or so meta. It doesn't need to be. It really, like just the way people have skin, you also have energy receptors and you are an energy antenna. So first let's talk about empathy. I find that's the most common type of energy that people are talking about right now on social media. There's memes about it, there's jokes about it. Uh, So for me, empathy is really just being able to feel other people's emotions, um, good, bad, or otherwise. And then there's also compassion. And so I was trying to really put into words what the difference between compassion and empathy is. And so thank you, Compassion International, for this brief definition. Compassion is the ability to feel for another living being, whether that human, dog, cat, rooster, plant. I can feel plant energy. Yep, I just went there. Empathy is the ability to not only understand another's feelings, but also to become one with that person's distress, to put yourself in their shoes and imagine what they're going through in that situation. So empathy is hugely important and compassion, I, I feel like that's kind of the older sibling of empathy. Empathy is where you start and it's a great start. Picking up on the emotions around you And noticing that other people are having emotions is really, 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 really important. And I always want to stress that, yes, keep doing that. Even if all you're picking up right now are those lower, heavy emotions like sadness, grief, fear, anxiety. Doesn't matter. That means you're on the right path. So good job. Keep going. But often because those lower, heavier vibrations of energy are so much more available and easily accessible, that that can cause overwhelm, sadness, depression, anxiety. You begin avoiding crowds. Hopefully you're not avoiding people altogether because that's kind of the opposite of what you want to do when you're starting to work in the energy arena or when you're starting to notice it. But what you need to do is learn to manage it. Now, if you're listening to this, my guess is that you're an adult And hopefully you've gotten to the point in your life where you realize you cannot control anybody else. Now, extend that to trying to control somebody else's emotions. And if you're doing that, don't do that. It's none of your beeswax. You can try to help people feel better, but do not try to control other people's energy. That's just a whole ball of ethics wax that you just should not even go down that road. So start with your own. 
You need to manage and be responsible for your own energy. So let's say you're at the Piggly Wiggly looking for some tofuti burgers to buy and bring home, but you are beginning to feel overwhelmed because of the people around you. You're picking up all their lower, I don't know, for lack of a better word, caca energy. You don't need to do that. I used to do that and it moved from picking up caca energy to actually feeling what was going on in someone's life, even if it wasn't bad. Perfect example, I think I was at Target one time in the cosmetics aisle and the woman next to me, like I knew she was pregnant. She was not visibly pregnant that I could tell, but I could feel it and I could hear it. And it was not just heavy emotions. There was some of that. There was fear. There was confusion. There was anger. She was kind of bouncing around all of these energies of, you know, she's pregnant and she doesn't really want to be. But there was also, I could feel this like glimmer of hope. And I was kind of overwhelmed because this is still really kind of at the beginning of when I started to notice other people's energy like this. And so I saw that glimmer of hope and I was like, Ooh, what if I just helped her? Like, what if I just sent her some kind of thought? Like I've been there, you can do it, you know? And so I did. And she kind of looked over at me and we kind of made eye contact and this is before masks. So I smiled And I swear to you, like we shared that moment telepathically because I was probably staring at her awkwardly. (laughs) And usually when you stare at people awkwardly, they kind of give you that bugger off creeper look. But she didn't. It was like this knowing smile. And so, of course, you know, I wasn't ever able to confirm this, but I think that she knew and I think that we shared that moment and I'm just going to cling to that so that I'm not the creeper in Target. So back to managing and being responsible for your own energy. I don't have to do it anymore, but back then I figured out if I take a minute before I step out of the car with my grocery list and walk in there and get bombarded, I will visually kind of place a boundary around me if you want to call in an angel or if you want to visualize white light around you, whatever you need to do, or just say it. I have things to do. I need to go get my dang groceries. I am not here to take on other people's energy. And that is my intention. Set your intentional space. Just do it. It sounds cheap. It sounds simple. It sounds maybe cheesy, but you know what? It works. So that's what I would do. I would just set my space. Actually, what I did is I just started ma- started imagining myself as Samuel L. Jackson's character in Pulp Fiction. So I became the bad mf'er of my energy space, and that was it. I was in control. Didn't matter what else was going on in the store. It was not going to affect me negatively. And so I think when you hear people talking about raising your vibration, that's part of what goes into it is that you are controlling your own energy space. And part of that is understanding that you can control whatever's going on for you. You do not have to worry about what's going on with other people. And then I guess there's some leveling up that happens. Again, I'm not big on understanding all the new terminology like raising your vibration. I just don't. I just don't understand. I speak English. I try to speak it as plainly as possible, but I think that I have experienced it 
without even knowing it was happening. So I think it's just that I decided to not accept Kaka energy in my space and somehow that allowed me to level up. So now what happens is that unless someone is acting out and I can with my eyes see them acting out or being you know somehow expressive of what's going on inside of them I don't even notice I recently had a friend call and tell me that she was working on a client and that this person's energy was so heavy and there was so much going on in her life that it was making my friend nauseous like she was becoming sick to her stomach and feeling all of the yuckiness that was coming off of the client in her chair. And she asked if I had time to do a session on her. And if so, she wanted to uh, network this woman to me. And so, of course, I was up for it. And she was like, just be careful. This woman's energy, I've never felt something like this. It's so bad and it's so heavy. I think she needs your help. So we made an appointment, did the session, and again... I would not have picked up on that heavy energy without seeing her. I just wouldn't have felt it. So now, because I've allowed it to say, all right, I'm going to open up my energy space and I'm going to allow myself to feel all of that heaviness and sadness, whatever it is, illness that's going on so that I can kind of work with it and disperse it or work with it and figure out the tools that I need to help you develop so that you can disperse it. I'm not really healing any anybody. That's not what I do. I don't heal people. I can sense their energy. And then I've spent a lot of years developing tools as to how to then help that person heal themselves. And so that's what we did. So after you learn to raise your vibration, I've noticed there's another common term called holding space. And it sounds so cool and meta. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out what the hell it meant. So I actually had to look it up. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. But it's a lot of words. So of course you're not going to say, hi, I'm here to mentally and energetically hold this space open for you to feel all your feels. Not holding space is a really quick, easy term, but that's really what it boils down to is when you intentionally focus yourself, you put all of your thoughts and whatever your needs are going on and you sit with someone. Now it's great if you can do it in person. If not, it's, you can do that. You can do that from wherever you are. Energy is mutable. It's everywhere. You can do that. Really, I think probably the simplest way to describe it is praying for someone. It's, it's, I would say it's pretty much the same thing. You take the time, you focus on that person, you give them the space to be sad or happy or grieve, whatever. And then you just kind of allow for good things. That's what I do anyway. If I'm holding space for someone, not only am I going to let them vent if they need to, if they're in front of me, or cry, or just talk it out, whatever they need to do, but once they've gotten out everything they have to say, or when they feel like they've expressed everything they want to express, my next step, whether I do it out loud in front of them, or whether I go home and do this, is really to offer a blessing or a prayer. And I think that is definitely 
I think praying is OG holding space, honestly. So now then the next step, I believe, would be compassion. So empathy is kind of at the bottom of the list, or that's like step A. And compassion is a few steps up. The definition of compassion is sympathetic, oops, sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And I thought, well, gosh, that kind of sounds a lot like empathy. So really, what's the difference? So I kind of searched around a little bit and Compassion International had a pretty decent definition of what compassion versus empathy is. So compassion is the ability to feel for another living being and empathy is the ability to not only understand another person's feelings, but also to become one with that person's distress. To put yourself in their shoes and imagine what they're going through in that situation, which I would say that kind of hinges over into compassion also. I think compassion is the grown-up sibling of empathy in that you can feel all of that emotion, but you don't have to get drawn into it. And you can continue to think your own thoughts and think rationally and take steps towards helping that person out of that situation. And really, that's my, that is my quick definition or guide on empathy and energy and really contacting your energetic nature. So now that's all great. You realize that you are aware of your own energy abilities, or at least you know it's there. But as people, we tend to then overthink everything. Very few of us have the ability to be like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'm going to learn how to use that tool and just go on with it and be happy in my life. No, 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 no. So what often happens is societal expectations, cultural programming, uh, religious beliefs, parents, lovers, all of these things kind of come into our lives And they're like, oh, no, you're hearing voices. You must be nuts. Well, whatever. (laughs) Okay, I'll be nuts. I don't even care anymore at this point. But at the beginning, I really did. So a lot of this started happening at the same time. My marriage was kind of, you know, having some struggles. Coincidentally, I had gone back to school uh, hoping to become a psychiatrist. So here I am, first-year psychology classes, And I now have the ability to overanalyze every thought that crosses my mind. And I was sure I was nuts. So finally, someone most compassionate in my life said, look, oh, by the way, this person was a doctor. And they said, here's really the dividing line between hearing voices and being, say, schizophrenic. Schizophrenia is, is there's a, it encompasses a lot, but really the dividing line is not that you're hearing voices or not that you're picking up on all of these emotions and stuff. It's what those voices are telling you. So are they telling you to hurt yourself? Are they telling you to hurt other people? Are they telling you that the world is out to get you or that someone specific is out to get you? Are you, are they telling you that you're being persecuted That's kind of it. That's where you're hinging over into schizophrenia. But really from an energetic and medicine, not Western medicine, 
I mean medicine, like energy medicine and shamanic perspective, schizophrenia is really, and, and, and bipolar too, I would say that falls in there. Those things are really powerful abilities that have gone untutored and un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mentored. Those are abilities that have gone unmentored. So for me, I was hearing voices. One of those voices was my deceased mom. But there was a lot of other voices too, but they were not in fact telling me to hurt myself or hurt anybody else or that I was being persecuted, etc. They were just giving me information. And when I would check into that information, either I couldn't find a result, good, bad, or otherwise, or I could confirm the information that I was being given, which did not make me feel any more sane, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. I was like, holy moly, this is crazy. (laughs) But, you know, I feel like as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting anybody else or, or things like that, crazy is really kind of a strange word and I don't consider it bad anymore. Let's talk about some myths of energy and energy work and hearing voices. One of the first ones, because I was so heavily in the church, is that it was Satan. It was demonic. These were demons telling me these things, trying to lead me away from Jesus. And I will just tell you, Maybe there's a possibility of that, but that's not what was going on for me. Uh, Another one was, this is all woo-woo crap. There's no scientific evidence to this. Well, really, there is. And even so, gravity has just recently gained uh, the non-theory label. So check into that if we want to talk about science. And science is an ever-evolving knowledge base. As we understand more, science then understands more. We are now just being able to have the technology to test a lot of this stuff. So if you think about people like Edgar Cayce, I mean, how long ago was that? He had some really strange stuff going on. And of course, people thought he was crazy. But people also realized that this man had incredible powers. I would say kind of the modern version of Edgar Edgar Casey is a man named Dr. Eric Pearl. And the beginning of his experience was really crazy, and I'm sure he thought he was losing his mind too, proofing. And it's there. This guy is pretty amazing. He has some pretty amazing abilities. So you're free to do your own research. I'm not going to go into all of that here because I could totally go down a rabbit hole with all of that proofing. And it's there. This guy is pretty amazing. He has some pretty amazing abilities. So you're free to do your own research. I'm not going to go into all of that here because I could totally go down a rabbit hole with all of that. But there is plenty of scientific evidence out there. So one of the other things, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole just for a tiny bit. When you think of the energetic body, so uh, in shamanism, it's what we call your luminous energy field. And then you think about, say, uh, amputation. So someone who has had a leg amputated, but they always, there's always that phantom pain or phantom itching. Well, I don't actually think it's phantom. And I think now that uh, microscopes have 
really gotten to where we can see amazing things um, and they will just continue to improve. That phantom word will probably be dropped, uh, hopefully, because even though we can't point that like at a human leg right now and look at that, we can point that at a leaf. And so if you take a leaf and you look at it under a micron, uh, no, an electron microscope, you see, you, not only do you see the leaf, but you see the energy body of the leaf. So if you cut a hole in the leaf and remove that chunk of leaf, the energy, uh, the, the energy body of that leaf fills in that hole. Now, interestingly, if you take the leaf away and put the little chunk of leaf that was cut out under the microscope and look, the entire energy body of the leaf exists. So again, we have a lot, a lot to learn about energy and the energy bodies of ourselves, of plants, animals, rocks. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there and say, I believe that even rocks have energy bodies. I know they have voices. Okay. Here's one of my favorite myths. <laughs> and this cracks me up. You have to be a hippie and wear patchouli. I'm going to tell you how much I hated patchouli when I was younger because all of my mom's friends just had that smell of hippies that didn't bathe regularly and then just throw some patchouli over it. And so my interpretation of patchouli was just funk and I didn't like it. Now, however, and I don't know if it's because I get to smell patchouli on a clean body or if, I don't know, maybe the energy just makes me want to like that smell or something. But I wouldn't really consider, I don't know, am I a hippie? I don't know. Maybe I am becoming a hippie in my older age, but I don't know. And I do wear patchouli. <laughs> okay, maybe that one's real. Maybe you do have to be a hippie and maybe you do have to wear patchouli, but certainly you can still bathe. There's nothing wrong with bathing and being an energetic type person. All right, so we'll just skip that one. All right, psychics, here's, here's a good one. Uh, I just recently heard someone say this, and it kind of confused me. Psychics must know everything and be 100% correct about everything during readings. If they are wrong, they're obviously frauds. So, of course, there are some fraudulent people out there, but that's not, that's not just in the energetic community. Um, you know, take your pick. It's across the board. And I do not claim to be a psychic. I know that I see and hear things and I get messages from non-ordinary realms. And sometimes those messages are in the moment, like right on the nose. But uh, sometimes I will kind of start to get a picture and I don't know what it is. And so I'm going to ask questions like, what is this? What does this mean to you? Does this mean anything to you? And sometimes the person is like, oh yeah. And then they'll start to tell me something. And then that gives me more of a picture that kind of helps me develop the picture. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with old school film developing, but you know, if you think about how cameras work or how old cameras used to work, that was pretty much, you know, magic. You, you, there's light that's 
exposed to this photosensitive paper and then you take it in a very dark room and you expose it to a couple different chemicals and it really you know those are called baths the chemical baths and it's really that last chemical bath that really brings everything into focus in the picture kind of really that's where it all comes together so that's what it's like for me I might start to develop to, to get a picture so it's kind of like a oh my god what is that Polaroid so the Polaroid picture comes out and it's all that bluey gray color and you give it a minute and something starts to develop well for me if I start to see something and I'm like okay what is this what does this mean to you does it again does it mean anything am I on the wrong path altogether and I have had people tell me I have no idea what that is that means nothing to me and I'm like huh okay but we'll write it down anyway or a lot of times I'll just record the session and they can take it home later when they're either by themselves thinking about it or they start to talk to someone that is aware of the situation and it's like oh my god that's what it is oh okay and you know, a lot of times people will call me back and say, remember that thing that I couldn't figure out what you were talking about? This is it. I looked it up or I talked to so-and-so and this is what it is. And then it kind of all makes sense. So I'm sure there are people who have a psychic ability where they can read you 100%. They know everything that's going on. I really don't want to ever be in contact with someone like that because, you know, stay out of my head. I it would make me nervous to be around somebody who could read my every thought and emotion and know my past and present. But getting some guidance and some advice from someone who has psychic ability and and let's just say they're wrong or or they're wrong in the moment, that doesn't mean they're frauds. So let's let go of that. I think we all have enough imposter syndrome going on in our lives when we try something new that we don't need to add that on top of it. Let's just uh, focus on the aspects. All right, so I wanted to read something to you because ADHD is often addressed. Um, you'll find that people with <clears throat> extra abilities or exceptional abilities often have things such as ADHD or uh, bipolar, schizophrenia. Those are all real things. But ADHD is is kind of first of all, it's not a disorder. For me, I think it's a superpower. And I didn't even realize that I had it until I was in my 40s. And it was a client who suggested that I might want to get tested for it. Bless her heart. Thank you. You know who you are out there and I love you. Changed my life. So in shamanism, there's different levels of per perception. And one of those levels is called the hummingbird. And at the level of hummingbird, we listen below the surface of conversation and hear their hidden messages. Um, we, we talk in metaphors. We operate in metaphors. So, and this is, I'm reading this out of the four levels of perception um, from the four insights from uh, Dr. Alberto Violdo. So, when looking through the eyes of Hummingbird and you see an overly active child, it, it says he asks, how is this child's quote-unquote problem a positive opportunity? We recognize that giving Ritalin to a hyperactive child may make him stay in his seat and focus on what the teacher is saying to him, but it takes away his natural ability to multitask. In a jungle, this child's quote-unquote problem behavior or quote-unquote learning deficit would actually be an asset. 
He would be able to hear the birds call to each other and the rushing of the waterfall and still engage in a conversation, all the while remaining alert to the possible dangers. In Hummingbird, we perceive the child's distractibility as a gift that's invaluable for his soul's journey. So again, when I read that, I was like, yes, I once being diagnosed with ADHD, I was like, okay, great. Now what? And I was afraid to take medication because I knew my brain operated on just a whole nother level that people who don't have that uh, really didn't. My thought processing is super fast and I've always enjoyed that. And I was afraid that medication would take that away from me. It's just (sighs) mental. I hate the word mental illness. I'm trying to think of a better word. I've come up with a better word a long time ago but I can't remember it now. (laughs) But it really is, uh, even bipolar, getting to the bottom of all of this with quote-unquote mental illness, is it really schizophrenia or is it an unmentored uh, ability, extraordinary ability like that of a shaman or a medicine man? Is it really bipolar or is it that you are sensing, uh, you, you haven't learned to control the energies that you allow in to your body and into your mind. Is it ADHD or is it that you were meant to live in a jungle and manage that ability to where it kept you alive and, and let you focus on a lot of different things at one time and use those abilities to help you through life? You know, the world that we live in now is so far removed from what uh, we used to live in, these things that are going on with us now, I really feel are side effects from the world we live in as opposed to uh, necessarily illnesses or dysfunctions or disorders. Learning to manage your own energy is huge. Learning to allow other people to have their energy is huge. Just accepting that it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be woo-woo. None of that has to be a part of connecting to the energy that's out there. It can really help you in your life. I cannot imagine what my life would be like without the abilities that I have. And let's just say at the very minimum, I have really good intuition. I have extraordinary intuition. It, it like every single day, it affects my life. And just recently, I've, because I've been trying to find other podcasters or YouTube people that have sort of the same, like, take on uh, intuition and energy and life as I do. And it took so long. But I found some and I love them. And off the top of my head, I cannot remember their name. It's a mom and two daughters. Oh, the mom's name is uh, Sonia Choquette. And then one of her daughters' name is Sonia. And then her other I can't remember her other daughter's name, but they're really cute. They're really funny and they're really down to earth. That's my favorite part. And so when talking about intuition, you know, when I know something, I can't always tell you how I know, and I can't always tell you all the details about it, but I know something. So I think it was episode nine. I think their podcast is called it's, it's relative or it's all relative, something like that episode nine and one of the daughters was asking you know like is the chicken off 
So, you know, when you have, uh, when you're going to cook chicken or when you've already cooked it and you just smell something and it's really faint and you're like, huh, this could be bad, but I'm not sure. And so you sniff it again and then you might even ask somebody else like, you know, is the chicken off? Is it funky? And you're trying to get a sense of what it is you're picking up on. And sometimes other people will like, no, it's fine. It's great. And sometimes other people will be like, oh yeah, that's bad. Take it out. Well, that's kind of how it is for me, except now I don't have to really ask, is this off? Like I know. (laughs) So a very long time ago, I really alienated myself from most of my friends in my little neighborhood community because something was not right. There was at least one, but possibly at least three men in the neighborhood that something just wasn't right. Something just wasn't right. And I asked, I spoke up, I said, you know, something, something's not right here. The chicken's off with these dudes. And I really, they didn't want to hear it. They were like, no, that's so-and-so. He grew up on this street. He's, you know, he goes to this church. He's so nice. Everybody loves him. Like, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Yeah, you guessed it. Not great there. Not great things came from that. And the other man, too. Uh, You know, just mm, something. But he is. He's so nice. He has such a pretty house. His yard is so lovely. He has the perfect girlfriend. All of this. But you guessed it again. Now, the third guy, I don't know that anybody ever actually really caught that, but mm, I'm just going to say for myself, I didn't want my kids around him. And I'll leave it at that. Um, All three of those men, I didn't want my son uh, hanging out with. And it was later found out that other children in the neighborhood who had been allowed to go hang out because these guys were so nice, you know, they were super nice, super friendly, overly friendly, in fact. And I'm sure you can guess what the result of that was. So all growing up, my son would get really freaking frustrated with me because I would get that whiff of information. Uh, and I would just, no, sorry, I don't care if all your friends are going and doing this or hanging out with this person. You're not. And lo and behold, I was always right. I I have not ever been wrong in those situations. One person actually ended up uh, being arrested and uh, is, I believe, in prison at least, or he might be on probation at this point. But you trust your gut. You trust your instinct. If you smell something funky, look into it. There's a problem. If you can't look into it, just use your best judgment. Stay away from it. That said, my intuition also helps me really discern good things, things that might not be life-altering, but that make my life generally better in simple ways. So (laughs) my kids could tell you, we will be driving down the road and I will get this feeling or I will hear, turn here, turn here. And we follow that and we end up finding fun adventures and doing fun things and going fun places just based on my hearing intuitive messages. So there's a a book that I read every day 
and I post it on YouTube, and it's called The Book of Awakening. It's by a man named Mark Nepo, and uh, the subtitle is Having the Life You Want by Being Present to the Life You Have. And I wanted to read you February 11th, which coincidentally is my birthday, because it's about simplicity. And when I think about energy and energy work and intuition and all of that that falls into it, that's really for me what it boils down to is it's just simple. It'll only be as complicated as you want it to be. Besides that, it's pretty simple. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and read. So this is February 11th, and it's called Simplicity. And this first part is a writing by Lao Tzu. I have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, compassion. These are your greatest treasures. Simple in actions and in thoughts, you return to the source of being. In the 6th century BCE, the legendary Chinese sage Lao Tzu gave us this threefold instruction. I will talk about simplicity here and devote separate entries later to both patience and compassion. But regarding the three as a whole, let me confess that while stumbling about my own path, I have found that I must continually learn and relearn these things, not just once, but again and again, in deeper and deeper ways. They appear now like a spiral staircase, and with each stepping, I find myself deeper in the life of my soul. So what does it mean to be simple? In a world that is complicated, we are often misled to believe that being simple is being stupid, when in truth, it holds the reward for living directly, which is that things appear, at last, as they really are. How many times have I seen gestures of a loved one or a colleague and then struggled privately to uncover what it all really meant? How many times have I done everything possible but ask directly? How often do I refuse to be direct, not saying what I mean and not showing what I feel, not letting the life around me really touch me? Amazingly, nothing else in nature is indirect. The leopard, trying to scale the mountain, strains and shows its effort. The frightened squirrel in the tree hovers and trembles, showing its fright. The wave mounting towards the shore saves nothing as it bows and spreads itself over and over against a shore that only crumbles to be so loved. Only humans say one thing and mean another. Only we go one way and wish we were somewhere else. Like so many other tasks that await us, the reward is hardly what we imagine. It seems that Lao Tzu reveals to us a secret tool of living, kept secret by our unwillingness to accept its truth. This ancient sage tells us quite openly that the act of simplicity, of living directly, is the doorway to the source of all being. Imagine if this is true. I implore you, when feeling lost or far away, try it. Try being direct, and the universe, without a word, will come alive. So, that really is the secret. You want the secret to the universe? You want the secret to 
being highly intuitive or becoming a channel for non-ordinary realms. It's really simplicity and just being what you are, doing what you do, allowing, allowing that and really keep it simple. It's just so easy. All right. I feel like I've talked forever. You will come across a lot of people out there that come across as holier than thou or gurus or so holy that you can't even enter their presence. And if you think about the holiest of the holy, you think about Jesus. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus would walk through the crowd and just be with the people. People would reach out to touch him because they wanted to feel that power. And never once did he ever tell somebody not to. He just did his thing. For me, simple is best. So hopefully this resonates with you. Um, I try to be as down to earth as possible when I talk about these things because everything else just feels like caca. And if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say caca energy, look on YouTube. There's these two girls that dress up like cholas and they're oh so spiritual and it is hilarious. Of course, it's a parody, but it is so on point and it's great and I love them. Ooh, maybe someday I'll have them on the show and we can talk about our kaka energy. <laughs> anyway, thank you for spending your time with me. I hope some of what I said resonated for you. If not, <laughs> there's a million other podcasts out there that I'm sure you can maybe find what you're looking for. And if you can't, make your own. That's even better. I'm happy to share information and resources on developing your abilities or where to go to look for more information or teaching. So I am also available to do in-person Reiki and shamanic sessions. Please email me at the Vanessa Connection at gmail.com. I hope that your day is wonderful and intuitively guided. Until next time, take care. Welcome to the Vanessa Connection. And since I'm sitting here alone, I guess I'm that Vanessa.